0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. But, but I'm so thankful for, for the opportunity to be continuing the work that Pastor Matt and Jackie, as well as many other pastors and leaders, have set forth this morning. And uh, for those who don't know me, I'm what they call a holla back preacher. Uh, if you know what that means, uh, that means if it's good, you can say amen. You can say, mm-mm-mm. If you want to stand up and just stare, that's okay. I was I was preaching at a church in Compton, California. If you don't know where that is, you probably don't want to go there. But I was preaching in a, a church in Compton, California. Uh, one of my first sermons that I that I spoke, and Sister Sarita First lady sarita was actually behind me on platform so this was kind of a traditional african-american church and and the preachers would be on platform so they would be sitting behind us and it got really loud y'all it was pentecostal up in there the hula hoops the ribbons i mean it was a full blown experience i mean i'm talking about ladies in the congregation who had a tambourine with you you know what i mean like made like made themselves a part of the worship experience, and out of nowhere, I just felt this breeze behind me, and I turned around, and Sister Sarita had a fan, and was fanning me, and I didn't know what to do, she's like, you better keep preaching, it's good, so I did what she said, I I kept preaching, so, if you have a fan, no, don't do it, so anyway, um, but I'm so expectant for what God wants to do. Um, I was telling Pastor Matt earlier that I feel like I've been carrying you all in my hearts all week. Um, and, and I'm just so excited to be bringing, hopefully, what is a word in season for all of you. But before I do, I, I got two orders of business that I need to get to as we were in our worship experience. The Holy Spirit put a couple of things on my heart. Is the worship leader Rodrigo in here? Is Rodrigo in here? He's upstairs. He's upstairs. Sinner. I knew it. Anyway, <laughs> um uh, when he, maybe I'll catch him offline. But but I want to before I even go there. I want to really give honor where honor is due uh, to your senior pastors. Um, the way that they navigated these social issues, these political issues, um, this pandemic COVID nineteen is better than most places. Even certain places that I've been a part of. You guys are overwhelmingly blessed. And no matter how good it gets. We cannot become casual about that which is supernatural. The moment that we become casual about the supernatural, we begin to miss the beauty of expectation and the beauty of experience, the gift that God's people are to us. And it takes leaders that are anointed and hear the voice of God and are empowered to lead a generation for us to get to the places that God is taking us. And so can we just take a moment? Can we stand up on our feet and can we give honor to Pastor Matt and Jackie Lacey? Come on, make them feel loved right now. If y'all have a moment, make them feel loved and cherish and adore, Grateful for you, sir. Love you, sir. Believe in you, sir. We're for you, sir. We're with you, sir. Come on, you guys can be seated. He is a brother and a friend. There isn't a pastor in this world that I'm closer to. He's the one that I call whenever I'm in trouble. Truth. Anyway. So I'm going to be preaching a message that God has placed on on my heart. Uh, We're going to be actually going through a lot of scripture. Um, I I tend to be a a preacher who leans towards a teacher. What I mean by that is the the best preachers are also teachers and the best teachers are also preachers. What what preachers do is they exhort the heart. They exhort the passion. They exhort the inspiration. They exhort your why. Um, but, But what teachers do is they exhort your mind. They exhort your intellect, and they exhort your your how. And I tend to be a preacher that, that leans towards teaching. I'll tell you what, sometimes I get fired up and it can be very inspirational. But how many know that the why without the how isn't very effective? But what I love about your senior pastor, he's a teacher who leans towards preaching. Don't get it twisted. He exhorts your mind better than most people that I know every single week. But also he stirs a passion inside of you to be able to follow it out. And, and today what I'm going to do is, is I'm actually going to lean more towards teaching if that's okay. Like I'm going to preach it. Gonna get twisted we're gonna get down like i'm going i'm gonna preach it but i'm also gonna do my best to exhort your mind and really focus on the house so we're gonna be going through a lot of scripture we're gonna be unpacking some things and we're gonna have a good time in the presence of the lord so if you have your bibles can you open them up to philippians chapter four philippians chapter four pastor matt would you be able to hand, hand me my water pastor chris one of you real quick thank you so much I'm getting partial oh and you opened it for me <laughs> pastor chris thank you my goodness how kind of you now to give context to this passage Paul's in jail Paul's in quarantine he's alone he's probably in a very very small space most likely in the back of a prison and rather than doing nothing rather than complaining Paul says you know what I can't be around people that I love but I can write And so what he begins to write in the book of Philippians is many beautiful words, but we're going to focus on chapter four, verse 11. And this is what he says. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to learn today. (laughs) He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to learn today. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says a very famous verse that we all get tattooed on our bodies. Not all, but many young, the millennial generation. They just tattoo this verse on their body without context. He says, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. Now, my title um, that I want to speak to you guys from, my topic that I want to speak to you guys from this morning is is a simple phrase. And maybe many of you feel this way. Maybe many of you struggle with this. I'm going to be vulnerable. I too struggle with this, but I feel like it's been strengthened during this pandemic. And it's this simple phrase, my title. I am not good at being alone with God. I'm not good at being alone with God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we need you. So would you come and would you speak with power and authority? Father God, anoint me, set me apart. Help me just be an echo to the voice. When people look up here, God, when they hear these words, let, they not, let them not hear me speaking, but let them hear you ministering exactly to the context of where they are in life, God. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. And we thank you, God, for the Las Vegas Raiders. And God's people said amen and amen. If, if, if that bothers you, um, email Pastor Matt. Okay? Um, I won't be here next week. Um, I had the opportunity to go to a, a leadership conference in Alabama. Um, specifically Oxford, Alabama. If you don't know where that is, that's probably a good thing. And I was, I was out there, and uh, it was fun. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves, and it was a, a conference that was specifically focusing on the ecclesia, as Dr. Ed says, or the ecclesia, which is the church. It's the people of God. And they were kind of creating this new paradigm of how to do ministry. I enjoyed the majority of it. It was super good. But there was one session that really kind of gripped me a little bit, and it was a doctor that was from the UK. And this doctor got a prophetic word from the Lord before, we trans- before he transitioned and the world transitioned into 2020. And this prophetic word came with imagery, and it was very interesting. God gave him a, 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 a vision of a lazy eye. A lazy eye and we all know that 2020 means perfect vision and I'm sure that as we were all transitioning into 2020 we all thought that it was going to be the greatest year ever but hey probably not that uh, I'm gonna tell my grandchildren about 2020 and, um, and and he was very confused why God was giving him an image of a lazy eye now to tell you a little bit about what they do for people who have lazy eyes who don't want to have lazy eyes anymore is is so children specifically when they have this lazy eye condition or adults what they do is they place an eye patch on the eye that's functioning as it should because there's muscles in the the eye that's lazy that are not operating and aren't working as they should so the eye becomes lazy so you're only really seeing out of one lens rather than seeing through two And he's like, so one of the first things that God told me is is he said, you know what, son, I'm going to put an eye patch over an eye that the church is seeing really good through over a lens that the church is really seeing good through. But this doctor was very confused because he knew that when, because he's worked with so many patients, he knew that when you put an eye patch over someone who is struggling with the lazy eye, they feel like they're blind because their eye has not been working as it should, and it usually takes about a year for the eye to begin to function normally as it begins to move and it begins to learn to see. And what he was saying is he said, God was telling me before we even transitioned into 2020 that the church has been primarily seeing through the lenses of evangelism and not through the lens of discipleship and sanctification and God was going to intentionally put an eye patch over program and allow us to begin to see through a lens of discipleship that we've never seen before allow us to see through a lens of sanctification which is personal development that we've never seen before and I don't know about you but more than any time in my entire life I have found myself during this pandemic during this quarantine feeling more Than I ever have in my faith. Because many of us primarily relied on the church to give us intimacy with God. We got so caught up in the program. When we worshiped God on Sundays. We talked about God in our small groups. But when it came to our home life. It wasn't really like that. And I don't know if a lot of you guys can can relate to that reality where suddenly public, public displays of gathering begin to fuel private intimacy when in reality it's our private intimacy with God that should be fueling our public ministry for God. Those are two very different things. Many of us focus on the public gathering, the corporate gatherings. And yes, all of that is biblical, but there will be a day when you and I will stand before the lord god one day and we will not have a crowd with us pastor matt will not be with us our spouse will not be with us our accountability partner will not be with us our small group will not be with us but there will be a day where you and i will stand before the king of kings and the lord of lords and it will just be him and me him and you standing before God a God of individuals a God that is so big that he can create the heavens and the earth by the power of his word but yet a God that is so intimate that he wants a relationship with you individually talking about God y'all yeah she caught it and I went into 2020 with more momentum than I've ever had in my life I'm talking about two services, and we're trying to find room. 1,200 young adults gathering on a weekly basis. We're starting services, and and I'm like, oh, we taking over one city at a time. I hope you don't know T.I., and so I, I I, just, we had so much momentum going into March, and then all of a sudden, whew, we had a nurse that sat down with us and she said, you know, guys, this is going to be like a week or two tops. Don't trip potato chips like it's not going to be that big of a deal. Literally sat with 30 of our leaders. It's going to go by really fast. And I called her eight months ago, like what happened? <laughs> Suddenly uh, a pandemic hits our world. Social issues, political issues economic issues, all these things that are very real, but spiritual issues. Christians not knowing how to operate, Christians not knowing how to love, Christians that lives have been dedicated to program, but the private moments have not been dedicated to intimacy. Therefore, we don't know who we are. I don't know about you. But many of us found ourselves being in the space, if we're being honest, being like, I'm not really good at being alone with God. And and I wonder if you're being honest this morning and, and taking an honest reflection with you and Holy Spirit alone. First of all, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. God will never tell you you that you are something wrong. He'll only point you to what you're doing wrong. He's so gentle and kind. But I wonder wonder if your relationship with Jesus, if you're just having an honest, honest assessment with you and Holy Spirit, is more of a Sunday program. I wonder if your relationship with Jesus is more of a small group that you meet with weekly, rather than an everyday experience where you meet with the creator of the world and you realize that God wants to be in your everyday. And so, what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna do my best over the next 35 minutes, maybe less, a little bit of faith, Lord. I'm gonna do my best to encourage you on how we are called as believers to be alone with God. I want to give you some very practical tools this morning on what can happen potentially in your tomorrow if you were to tap into the presence of the Lord. What could happen in prayer closets, in cars, and in, in coffee shops, in bedrooms, in living rooms, if we were to tap into being and learning to be alone with God. One thing I love about Paul is Paul's a gangster. He can't hide it. He really is. In Philippians 4.11, he says something that's very interesting and he's saying it from a prison cell. He's like, look, I know. I know how to be content. I've learned the art of contentment. I've learned when I have a lot. I've learned when I have a little that the spiritual posture of myself doesn't necessarily have to change. In other words, just because circumstances come doesn't mean that circumstances have to change me. Though things are changing externally outside of me, that doesn't mean that things need to necessarily be changing on the inside of me internally. And so what Paul is saying in the book of Philippians to a church at Philippi that is flourishing and doing very well. In chapter one, he opens up by writing them a letter and saying that I thank God for you every time that I think of you. This is an encouraging letter. This is a letter of gratitude. But he has this moment as you if you could picture Paul in the back of a prison cell with very minimal light. And he's writing a letter to the church and he's telling a church that is free, that he's free as well. He's trying to get them to know, like, look, y'all, I know that this looks really bad. I know that this is difficult, but I want you to understand, I've learned something. I've learned how to be content with plenty, and I've learned to be content with minimal. I've learned how to have many clothes, and I've learned how to have clothes that are very, very scarce, I know what it is to be in prosperity, but I know what it is to be broke. Like I have learned to be content in all things. And though these trials may be many, though these tribulations may be spreading, I have learned the art of being content. I have learned the art of being satisfied in the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I have keyword learned. I have been educated. I have been taught along the way by Holy Spirit, but also by men that have gone before me, women that have gone before me to be content. And I wonder if the church, excuse me, I wonder if the world is looking at the church and they're a bit confused because the church has responded to the pandemic the same way that the world has responded to the pandemic. We're just as frightened We're just as afraid. Oh, I'm going to go deep, Pastor Matt. I'm only here for a week. Look, I know some of y'all are really frustrated right now, potentially with who's in office, or maybe you're really happy with who's in office, but have you learned to be content? (laughs) Maybe some of you, the result of the election is infuriating you. Can you live off the little that you think you have? Maybe for some of you, the election is making you so overly joyful. Can you live off the much that you think that you have? Because as believers, we learn to be content in all things. Why? Because we have the understanding that though there is a cabinet, though there is a president, though there are kings and though there are leaders, there is a God that is ruling even above that. And he is high above it all. And sometimes, church, you have to have nothing for you to recognize that you have everything. And I know that the job loss is difficult. I know that we're in a weird time. I know that we can't gather the way that we want to But can I encourage some believers today that God was not surprised by this pandemic? It is refining us. It is growing us. It is stretching us. It is building something into us that wasn't in us before. Woo! Paul says, I'm alone, but I ain't by myself. Because that same spirit that rose Jesus up from the grave is with me in this room. We were worshiping about it earlier. Oh, there's another in the fire. There's another in COVID-19. There's another in this pandemic. And his name is Jesus. If you're thankful for him, why don't you take about five seconds and give him praise in this place? He's telling them, I've I've learned to be content because Jesus is with me in this cell. And do you know what happens when you understand this? I'm sorry. This is preaching. I promise we're going to get to teaching. I promise you. But do you know what happens when you, like, know that? You know what happens, like, when you know that that Jesus is with you? Like, like, when you, like, know. I'm not. You can't fake that stuff. Like, you can't fake you being in prison and being okay. You can't fake that. But there's something supernatural that happens when you understand that. And and Paul, oh, it's so good. Paul, Paul is... Paul knows that the Lord is is with him. And so what Paul chooses to do in him being quarantined and him being locked away and him not having access to his friends, his family, his community, he chooses to do what he can. I don't know about you, but if if I was locked up, I'd be like, you know what, Lord, woe is me. I should be out preaching the gospel to the nations. I should be reaching the world for you, and yet you got me here. What can I do? Paul says, okay, I'm here. Oh, I can write. And I don't know if Paul knew that this letter that he, was write, that he was writing while in jail would actually go further than any sermon he ever spoke. I don't know if Paul knew that a young brother from Los Angeles, California, a couple thousand years later, in Pleasanton, California, will be talking about this letter. Don't negate... <laughs> Don't negate what God can do in your trials and tribulations with 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 what you do when you decide to be like, God, I don't have this, but I do have this. and That's exactly what Fountain Church has been doing. OK, we can't gather, but we got the Internet. OK, we can't meet in small groups yet, but we got virtual groups. And many of us complain, oh, the church wasn't intended to be that way, but that's the way it is. That's what we got. So we're going to make much with a little. And we're going to trust God in the process in Jesus name. So Paul, once again, is alone. But Paul is cool. He even before this, said, rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, and again, I say rejoice. Paul, what are you on? And so how do we get there? Religion would say, feel it. Religion would say, you should be speaking it out. No, no, I don't I don't I don't think so. I think that Paul didn't just arrive at this place. I think there was daily intimacy that Paul had with the Lord that led him to eventually establishing a maturity. That would have him be in these circumstances and still know that God is on the throne. And so what I want to preach to this morning is not right now. I want to preach towards your Monday. What I want to teach toward is not this moment right now. I want to teach toward tomorrow. Because if our faith is limited to a Sunday morning experience. I just find it funny that God in his sovereignty allowed the Sunday morning experience to be taken. (laughs) Because our faith wasn't called to be limited to a Sunday morning experience. God has so much more for you, church. God has so much more for me. So the big question is how. Let's teach a little bit. How do we unlock? Come on, there we go. How do we tangibly get better at being alone with God? I've taken a lot of time to think about that process through that theologically, talk to other people that I love who get alone with God. And and there's many ways to do this, but I'm just going to give you a rough format of what I believe will help you Get better at being alone with God. Uh, Four keys, four ways to tangibly get better at being alone with the Lord. The first one um, isn't as practical, but it's a mindset. Okay, The first way, the first mindset to help you get better at being alone with God is this. You need to have a definitive understanding that God is not like you. You need to have a definitive understanding that God is not like you. The reason why this is so important is because some of us think that God is like us. So we think God gets bitter. We think God gets offended. We think God holds stuff over our head. Oh, come on, believers, you don't want to talk about it this morning. We, we, think, we think that God is like us. And what this is known as is anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. Has anybody seen the movie Space Jam? Come on. Any Space Jam fans in here? I used to watch it on VHS, one of my favorite movies. Who knew, any, any young people in here know what a VCR is anyway? So like I used to watch it on VHS, one of my favorite, favorite movies, Space Jam. And my favorite character in that movie was Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck was my guy. Thank you. Thank you. Love Daffy Duck. Now, I don't know much, but I have never seen a real duck act like Daffy Duck. Never seen it. I've, I've never seen a real rabbit act like Bugs Bunny. I've never seen that. Why? Because we tend to anthropomorphize things in media. Anthropomorphism is when we put human characteristics on something or someone that is not human. And oftentimes that's what we do in our relationship with the Lord we put human attributes and human characteristics on a god that is not like us and so sometimes we have a problem approaching god because we feel like he doesn't want us to approach him because maybe we had a really hard week maybe we've been distant for a season maybe we have a particular sin struggle and every time we come before the lord and we get in the worship experience we feel shame and guilt but can i just encourage you in something amazing god is not like you God is actually calling us to be like him, not the other way around. And so we need to be encouraged that when we come before God, he is not like us. And this is what the word of God says right here. Let's do a little bit of scripture. Isaiah 40, verse 28, the prophet writes this. Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is Undescribable. James 117, Come on, who enjoyed the sermon series on James? So good. First of all, how much pressure would it be being Jesus' little brother? But you think about that? Like, man, like you come home from school after a great day at school, and Mary's like, hey James, how was your day? You're like, oh my gosh, I took the Hebrew, I got an A on my test. She's like, Oh, James, give me a hug. Then Jesus walks in, she's like, Yeshua, Jesus, how was school? He's like, Yo, healed the whole campus. Amazing, right? <laughs> James 1.17 says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. So when we come before God, we need to have this fixed mindset, this this mind that understands that God wants me to come before him. That God wants me to be in his presence. That I'm not coming to a God that will condemn me. Hebrews says this, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. We have to have this understanding, church, that God wants us to approach him. God wants you to approach him. God deeply desires for you to come into his presence. This is a very, very big deal because many people view God like their earthly father or their earthly mother a nuisance. I don't want you around. I need you to go on time out for like 45 minutes because you've been having that particular struggle. And so I'm going to distance myself from you. I'm going to stay away from you. No, that is not our God. His arms are wide open. He says, come to me. I am the creator of you so I can fix you. Come into my presence. And we need to have that mindset. We need to have that definitive understanding that God is not like us. He's far more patient. He's far more good. He's far more kind. Like an old preacher said, he is all together. Lovely. This is huge. Secondly, once you get that understanding in your head, like, cool, God ain't like me. I'm going to make the decision to come before the Lord. You need to do this. Step number two, pray what you got. Pray what you got. Or in other words, don't fake it till you make it. Don't fake it till you make it. Y'all, have you ever prayed yourself more anxious? Have you ever gone to pray to the Lord and you come out more worried than when you first went in? I remember a few years ago, I came home from Starbucks, my wife and I were going through some things, and I came home from Starbucks after being there for like two hours, and I was like, Oh my gosh, babe, how was your time with the Lord? I'm like, I feel like I got a little worse. I feel like I got worse. You know, something that I've learned and I've come to understand is we are called to communicate with God about what's actually happening on the inside of us. And there are many times because God is so holy that we get intimidated by that holiness. So we don't deal with the dysfunction that's actually taking place on the inside of us. And so we come to God like we come to church. How are you, son? Bless, Lord. Everything's great down here. When in reality, maybe everything is falling apart. Maybe there's a lot of difficulty. Maybe there's a lot of struggle in this season. And sometimes the reason why we get an inauthentic experience with God is because we're not dealing with him authentically. And God can only deal with you to the degree that you'll be honest and truthful. And so there will be moments where we will come before God and we'll try to put on this spiritual facade and act like we're okay when we're not. And then we find ourselves actually not allowing God to go into the deepest places of our hearts and begin to transform our thinking, our ways of living, because we're not dealing with the reality of our struggles. David put it like this He said, God is near to the brokenhearted. It's as if David is trying to get us to understand that God is drawn to the broken spaces of our lives. So why would we go to someone who was already fully put together, acting like we're put together? Some of the most amazing experiences I have had with the Lord are not when things are going well. But it's when I feel like everything is falling apart. And it's as if I feel him closer in that season. You all know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever had that moment where you feel like all is breaking down, but nothing's breaking down inside of you? I'm talking about those moments, church, where, where cancer's in your body and you experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding. I'm talking about those moments when you look at your bank account and God's telling you to tithe. And you're like, God, but I don't know how the HOA bill is going to be paid. And you say, no, we're going to walk in faith. And you see God supernaturally providing, And even though the funds aren't there, you know that they're coming. I'm talking about those moments where the marriage is so difficult. Come on, COVID and marriage, my goodness. Like where everything is so difficult, but you go before God when you're on the verge of giving up and suddenly you come out of that space believing that he's not finished yet. I'm talking about the moments where we come authentically before God, so authentic when we're struggling with addiction. When we're struggling with lust, when we're struggling with tendencies that we don't like, when we're watching the TV just a little bit too late at night, come on, we need to get real in this church. Like when we find ourselves in positions where we are doing things that we know we should not be doing and even thinking ways that we should not be thinking, we come before God just trying to be spiritually correct. And God says, no, no, I want the real you. I want the real you. I I tore the veil down the middle so you could come close. I died so that this could be taken care of. And so we have to pray what we got. There will be moments where you come into the presence of the Lord and it's easy. You're like, man, I'm going to go to pray. And you're just like, wow, he's here. He's all he's all around me. And then there will be other moments. I had one I had. <laughs> this happened to be actually on Wednesday. where I entered into the presence of the Lord. and I was like, God, I, I believe you're here. But I don't feel like you're here. And being that honest with God, being like, Lord, I'm struggling experiencing you right now. We need to pray what we got. And prayer is just simply communicating authentically with heaven. And this is where we get just a little bit prophetic, um, if that's okay. When I was thinking about this, though, even deeper, have you ever had that moment where you come before God and you got nothing? (laughs) Where words can't even describe. What it is that you're facing. Paul says this in Romans chapter eight. He says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Y'all, some of the best moments I've had with God is when I'm saying nothing, but he's doing everything to think that we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave living on the inside of us so there will even be those moments where we enter in and we don't know what to say but the moanings and the groanings of Holy Spirit are interceding and communicating to God the Father on behalf of us on behalf of us and if that isn't enough we have a savior, a king who is seated at the right hand of God that is interceding for you and I and that is his normal routine so we are surrounded by prayer frequently but one of the most greatest things that we could do in the art of learning to be alone with God is praying what we got. We doing okay, church? We good? Can we keep going? Let's rock. Three. This is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of y'all. Three. Remind yourself verbally of who God is. Not the other way around. Remind yourself verbally of who God is. Now, I intentionally put this after pray what you got, because sometimes I would find myself (laughs) when, when, <laughs> and I'm sure many Christians have experienced this. Sometimes I, I would find myself in moments where I would just start like praising God, because that's what you do in Pentecostal churches. You just say you're good. You're lovely. You're awesome. And it was just coming off a little bit inauthentic. You know what I mean? Like, because that's not what was really happening within me. But there is something supernatural that happens when you pray, when after you pray what you got, after you communicate with the Lord, when you begin to verbally remind yourself of who God is. Now, I want to make this very clear. God doesn't need to be reminded of who he is. We do. God does not need a refresher. He is very aware of what he has the power to do, which is why he created us to worship him. There is literally in the book of Ecclesiastes, says that Solomon says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. Like there is literally this eternal void that only that which is eternal can fill. And that's why something really strange happens when we begin to worship. Indescribable. But when we begin to sing songs like there's another in the fire, like like there's another in the water that's holding back the seas, that something begins to rise inside of you. Why? Because you are reminding yourself of who God is. And there are moments, church, where you need to, when you come into that space and you pray what you got, and you're coming up against a circumstance, and you're coming up against a hard place, and you're alone with God, that you need to get into your prayer closet, you need to get into your car, and you need to verbally begin to say who your God is. Why? Because our battles in this life, are spiritual. They are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. That breath that you have inside of you is precious. Genesis chapter 1 says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the midst of the waters. And then it says, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God chose to create with his words. And then what he does with Adam, he creates him out of the dust of the earth. And he breathes this breath into Adam. He he breathes upon Adam and Adam comes to life. And the Bible says he becomes a living soul. And y'all just went through the book of James. You know that with your words, you have the ability to change atmospheres you have the ability to recreate things you have the ability to bring love and encouragement and the word in season just with your words and the old testament even takes us a step further when it says that the enemy is the prince of the air and so when we speak into the air we begin to shift things and we begin to move things in Jesus' name. And many of us, we just pray in our minds and there is a time for that. But I believe that we're in a day and age where we need to go back to the old school church, y'all. Like, come on, I'm talking about the old school church. Like, we're like prayer meetings are in overflow, not marriage conferences. Like, I love marriage conferences. I love amazing events. Like, I love program. But there was a day and age where, like, the church was crowded when we would have prayer meetings. I wonder how many people would come if we were bringing in some famous speaker like, like Pastor Dave Patterson or, or John Maxwell or, 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 or Judah Smith. If we heard that he was coming to the church, I'm like, man, we would sign up so quick. Yeah, get me space. I need at least some of here. I need to hear him or her. But how many of us, hey, we're having a prayer meeting? We'd be like, ooh. Yeah, prayer can get a little weird, you know. Like communicating with God has become burdensome. Right. Wow. Communicating with God has become a have to rather than a get to. And even during COVID, I realized and I talked to Pastor Matt about it. I'm like, I feel like my intimacy with him is being so strengthened in this season. But as we come before his presence, church, we need to be rest assured in this truth that that, that we can come before him. And we can know in our hearts, in our mind, in our wills, in our emotions that we can verbally begin to express who he is to us. We can begin to express that. And what do we express when we're in his presence? There's many things that we can do. We can express verses. We can express our own personal adoration. We can sing songs of of praise. We can do these things. And when we're in those private moments with God, you know what's amazing about that private moment with God? Is that you too can make it exactly what you want it to be. And your private intimacy with God is going to look different than mine. What you're going to verbally express to him is going to be different. Why? Because you are individually his son or daughter. And any parents in here? Any, any parents in here? Where, where the mama's at? Where the daddy's at? What up? What up? What up? Good to see you all. One day. You know, my, my daddy would always tell me, and I didn't understand this, but my daddy would always tell me, he's like, son, I love every single one of my kids, all four of you. I love you so differently, but it's so the same. But God, like, what do you mean, daddy? He's like, I, I love you guys so similarly, but I love you all the same. Because... His love for me was different than his love for Brittany. His love for Brittany was different than his love for Nathan. His love for Nathan was different than his love for Cassie. He loved us all on the same field, but the way that it was expressed was different because we had certain personalities, certain gifting, certain struggles. And God is the same exact way with you. This beautiful heavenly father deeply, deeply desires for you to be reminded of who he is in his presence. And that may come out loud. That may come out quiet. But there is something supernatural that happens when our breath shifts from the inside of us to outside of us. The word of God, for example. The word of God in the Greek is known as the graphe. That's the literal written word of God. Like the literal pages that we hold, it's the graphe. But then there's something that's called the logos. The logos is the revelation of God that comes from the graphe. It's the word on full display. That's when the word goes from the pages into your heart. And then there's something that's known as the rhema. The rhema is when the word, the revelation of God in your heart comes outside of your mouth. What would it look like if Jesus came to the earth and said nothing? He spoke the word as the word. And we too, in our communication with the Lord, we're called to understand who he is, have a definitive understanding of who he is. Then behind that, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're so incredibly kind. Then behind that, what do we do? We begin to communicate with God with what's actually happening inside of us. We begin to to pray what we got. And after we pray what we got, we remind our souls, but this is who you are. This is what you say you can do. This is it. Recently, uh, my wife and I, we we transitioned from family community church, our, our home base. And uh, we were at that church. I was at that church for almost a decade, pastoring there for seven and a half years. During COVID, the Lord began to stir things inside of us and some things happened and we knew that it was time for a transition. We didn't know where, we didn't know when, but we knew it was time. And one of the hardest things in my life was letting go of that group. Seeing a group go from 15 people to 1,200 gathering on a weekly basis, 2,000 different young adults coming from all the Bay Area. But knowing that God was ending this chapter to open a new one was very difficult. And then we were dealing with ways that we needed to honor senior leadership and things of that nature. I remember calling Pastor Matt on so many occasions. Just being like, bro, I'm hurting. Pastor Matt, I don't know how to handle this praying and praying and praying. I remember one morning I woke up. It was about four in the morning and I was so stressed. I started binging on Netflix, watching The Office. I'm like, Michael Scott can probably make this a little better. An hour goes by, two hours go by, it's six in the morning. And my soul's just in chaos and I'm just trying to escape, you know? Reality's difficult. And there was so much that was happening that I'll tell you in probably a year or two that <laughs> there was so much attack that was happening from the enemy during that season. And, and God was just calling us to new places and new spaces that we would never been. And it was through testing trials and tribulations and not to mention a pandemic feeling alone. So grateful for my wife. She carried us during that season to be candid, but personally feeling so invalidated, feeling unheard, feeling broken, feeling in pain. And I remember at six in the morning after watching two hours of the office, there was this shifting moment that took place in my spirit. And though I love Pastor Matt, he didn't do it. Though I love my wife, she couldn't do it. I love them. They're amazing, but they didn't do it. Their human words were great, but I needed to hear from heaven. I don't know if you've been there. Human words are amazing, and they can encourage you. There is a word in season, but I needed to hear from heaven. And I felt God kind of asked me this question as I was on my couch. He's like, son, how long are you going to stay here? Who am I to you? And he reminded me of Peter when he was at Caesarea Philippi. And he was looking upon the God of Pan. And he was looking upon Caesar that built a temple for a a pagan God. And overwhelming odds stacked against the church. Stacked against the believers. Stacked against individuals who were called to push the gospel forward. Have you been there, church? Where you feel like life is stacked against you. Where Jesus will put you on the middle of your mountain and say, Who am I to you? And at 6 in the morning by myself, man, it was time to put a stake in the ground. I got up. I got right up. I said, I'm done. I'm not sitting here anymore. Man, I grabbed my my, my remote. I put on elevation worship. Do it again. And I began to pace my little living room. And I began to sing. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. And, and this this, this, this thing began to rise inside of me. And I felt like Paul in the back of the prison, but yet he began to worship in the midnight hour church. God was going beyond a building, but he was going into my body as the building. And I began to verbally say who he is. This is who you are. This is who I say you are. Then all of a sudden, nothing's changed. But everything's changed. Have <laughs> been there, at church, for nothing changes? But everything changes. And you're like, whoa. And you know what's crazy, church, is that we can experience this God every single day. And I came to tell Fountain Church prophetically that right now, and this is the truth. You have one of the largest gatherings in the United States of America. Isn't that a daisy? You have one of the largest gatherings in the United States of America. My church that I came from was a church of thousands. The most we had on a Sunday was just under 150 people. You guys have one of the largest gatherings in the U.S. And maybe you are the lens. Maybe you are the eye that's being strengthened. So that discipleship and sanctification can be at the forefront of the attention where people can learn the art of private intimacy that fuels public ministry, not the other way around. And you know where that begins, church? Your homes. It begins in the private spaces of your life. Last one, key number four. And then we'll conclude. If you're having difficult finding him, go to the people who know where he is. When you reach that place where you're like, I am having such difficulty, Lord, finding you. Go to the people who know where he is. Ecclesiastes says this. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And you better believe a threefold, a three-fold cord is not easily broken. I pray that you have those contacts in your phone that when you can't find and when life is so heavy, that you tap into those people, that community that can help you find where he is. That's why Matt Lacey is my brother, mentor, friend. And there's been so many times I call him like, man, I'm struggling, bro. I need prayer. When I find difficulty finding him, I find where he is. And this is where we conclude. You know what I want for you, Fountain Church? Above anything. At the end of your life, when you transition from this life into glory, when you go into that space and you look upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when when we go into that place, when this life that is a vapor is over and we step into the presence of the Lord and we see him, our father who purchased us, our savior, (laughs) who desired us, the Holy Spirit, When we see the Godhead, do you you know what I want for us? When we get there, I want us to have the sensation of, oh, this feels familiar. Oh, I know you. I know this space. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. So tomorrow... If you struggle being alone with God, welcome to the crew. I would ask you to find a space and just take a few moments and go through that process. Really try it. Be like, all right, I'm going to set my mind on the fact that you're not like me, God. Okay, this is what I got. Peter said, cast cast our cares upon you because you care. God, this is what I I care about. This is what I'm going through. And then I want you to begin to verbally remind yourself of who he is. Y'all... Those basic steps, and there's other intricacies to it. There's other details to it. There's journaling, and there's sermons, and there's podcasts, and there's... Bo- All that is called to, to be um, um, an asset to you to help you grow. However, in the midst of it, we can just go through these simple steps and just learn how to be alone with God. So do I look forward to our gatherings 100%? But do I look forward to your, your car rides... Do I look forward to your, your prayer closets? To your dinner tables? To your living rooms? You better believe it. Can we have every eye closed in the presence of the Lord? I'm done. <sighs> if you're here and you've never made the decision to give your life to Jesus. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer. You've never made the decision to surrender your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And today you want to give yourself away to a greater cause than you. I just envision God lovingly stretching out his arms, saying, son, daughter, come home. It's so simple. If you want to pray a brave prayer, which is a prayer of surrender, with every eye closed in the presence of the Lord, if that's you, can you just do something on the count of three? Can you slip your hand up high if that's you? Do you want to respond to the call of Christ? One, two, three. Anybody in here? You want to give your life to Jesus? Thank you. I see that hand. God is so kind. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we all just repeat this prayer after me, all of us in support? Of a couple of us who raised our hands, can you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. And Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You're the son of God and the savior of the world. And you came down to earth to save my world. All that I am is yours in Jesus name. Amen. Last question. Last question. You can Keep your, uh, your uh, heads down and eyes closed. Last question. If you're here and you struggle being alone with God and you want to see that increase this week and you want to just make a vow to God, not to me, but a vow to God that you are going to begin to learn how to be content. You're going to begin to learn starting this week to be like, God, I want to experience you on Monday. Oh, God, I want to see what you're like on Tuesday. God, I want to, I want to see what you got on Wednesday for me. Oh, are you the God of the Thursday? Oh, you're telling me that you'll meet me on Friday. Come on, somebody like if you're here and you just want to learn the art of being alone with God, can you do something? Can you just raise your hand if that's you? If that's you, hands going up all over the auditorium. God is so kind. Let's learn together. Let's learn together. Holy spirit. I ask simply that you would speak as your servants listen. Let them have a definitive understanding of who you are, Father. Let them pray what's inside of them. Let them remind themselves of who you are through the verbal raiment that goes in the atmosphere. And when they don't know what to do, let them find people who know where you are. In Jesus' name and the church said amen and amen. God bless you and thank you thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.